you know, when you when you start working as a new PA just after graduating from the residency, you have something to prove, right? PA profession is not a subservient profession. You know, there's not there's not an apostrophe S at the end of physician. It's physician assistant, right? So your partners in healthcare with the surgeon. And I was lucky and fortunate enough worked at Duke Hospital where my surgeon and my department of neurosurgery, Dr. Alan Friedman in the Department of Neurosurgery, treated me as a partner in taking care of patients. And you put in long hours, you know, we are not shift workers. Healthcare workers cannot be shift workers, even though, you know, you have stipulated time. I used to spend long hours in the hospital. Being an academic institution, you bond with the residents, you know, the junior residents, you take them under their wing, you show them the ropes. And then the senior residents consult you because I've been there for so long. I know the surgeon's preferences, what they like, what they don't like, what they would do in a particular instance. Um, so they always come and like check with me to see what, you know, it's, it's a very collaborative experience. And after doing that for a while, then I was asked to be the program director for the PA Surgical Residency. Hey there, my friend. Welcome to the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina. I am a cardiothoracic surgery PA with a background in public health and neuroscience. I'm also your peak performance coach. I had to say no to working extreme long hours where I was always on call and feeling exhausted, underappreciated, and undervalued, and said, heck yes, to a life and career that elevates my energy and passion without compromising my health and sanity. Now, I'm among the mission to support ambitious healthcare professional like you with a demanding career to become a confident leader who are living purposefully and fulfilled to truly be both a powerhouse in your career and a passionate person in life. Let's start our journey today. Hi, everyone. This is Sabrina, your host for the Powerful and Passionate healthcare professional podcast and welcome welcome for another episode and today we have another exciting guest speaker he is Sensor Radhakrishna and he is another PA as well exciting to have more PAs showing up on the show and really share some stories with you and without further ado I'm gonna tell you a little more about this amazing person Denzel is a healthcare practitioner in India. He used to be a physical therapist that before coming to the U.S. in 1994. And he attended Wayne State University PA program from 2002 to 2004 and graduated with the professionalism award for his class. So awesome. Congrats there. And after completing his PA program, he went to Duke's postgraduate surgical residency. I know there's a lot of talk also on new grads on like, should you or should you not have gone through a surgical residency? Personally, I didn't and just landed directly into CT surgery. And he also began his career in surgical PA world and was Dr. Alan Friedman in the Department of Neurosurgery. Hmm, right? The brain is always something that we don't know enough about and has been a guest lecturer at the Duke PA program. So in 2006, he received the Duke Strength, Hope, and Caring Award for the Extraordinary Provision of Compassionate Care. And in 2018, he received the Meritorious Service Award for 
Distinguished Service in 2019, he received the Harry Buddy Lee Tripwell Award for recognizing of excellence in teaching at the Duke PA. Program. So currently, he is the administrative chief and clinical neurosurgical PA in the Department of Neurosurgery, and he also, guess what, is also an author. Published, I have no earthy idea as his first novel. I'm so glad that he's here with me as another PA, another speaker, another. Author, and we can, as a PA profession, do so much things than just being clinical practitioner. Like Cynthia, we can do anything, right? We can speak, we can publish. It doesn't have to be all clinical research devoted, right?、That's、like right. I wrote, my book is coming out next week called "Asian Woman Who Boss Up." It has nothing really to do with clinical medicine, but how do we boss up as a woman? And Cynthia, I wrote about his journey from like when you have no earthy idea, what is there to do with your life? So that's exciting for all of us to get together today to share with you. So please take away, please tell us a little bit more about yourself and how did you all come up to getting all these awards and coming from India, focused on physical therapy, and now leading to all these amazing things in your life. Well, thanks for having me, Sabrina. That was a good segue. But I have no earthly idea why and how we do things. You're right. I came from India as a physical therapist. I came in 1994. I worked in physical as a physical therapist in India for a couple of years before I came here, and I worked as a contract physical therapist in the Midwest for about 13 years before I kind of got bored. You could call it midlife crisis. Then I went back to PA school, graduated from the Wayne State University PA program, and working as a physical therapist. And I've treated. Stroke patients. I've treated cardiac rehab. I've treated orthopedic patients, and working as a contract physical therapist, I've moved from place to place and could never call any place my home. So when I graduated from the PA program, I didn't want to move from place to place. I wanted to settle down in a place, call it a home, and wasn't interested in a job per se. I was more interested in developing a career. And during my second year, clinical year in in PA school. I knew the first decision I realized was inpatient medicine suits me more than being in the clinic or outpatient. So once I figured that out, the next step was okay, what type of inpatient hospital would I be interested in or would suit me? And I realized after my surgical rotation, surgery suits me better, and I found it more rewarding. And I found a lot of strengths, and my work ethic kind of aligned with a, a surgical discipline. But then the next question came to. I had a rotation in general surgery at Henry Ford Hospital, and that's all I knew. But having worked as a physical therapist, I knew there's other surgical specialties, and I personally treated orthopedic patients and cardiothoracic surgery patients. So I didn't know which field to choose. And luckily, I ran into an APA magazine which advertised postgraduate residency in surgery. So I thought this would be a good way to figure out what I want to do for the rest of my life. Applied to the John Hopkins, the Yale, the Montefiore, and Duke University program, and I interviewed there. And Duke kind of both Durham, the place, and Duke Hospital appealed more to me. And you know, I'm kind of small town guy, and Durham was very appropriate. And I did my surgical residency at the Duke PA program. It's like one month job interview in each specialty. You cannot get that when you come out of school and get a job. I rotated through general surgery, plastic surgery, vascular surgery, cardiothoracic surgery. Neurosurgery, 
I did a rotation in the surgical ICU. So I kind of got a flavor for each discipline. And at the end, I realized neurosurgery suits me better. I could bring my physical therapy experience in treating stroke patients and the knowledge I gained during the surgical residency. And when Dr. Alan Friedman offered me a job, there was no way to say no. He's one of the best neurosurgeons in the country. And his work ethic kind of mirrored my father was an ENT surgeon. His work ethic and my grandfather father who um, was a general practitioner for about seven villages. And I could see them in Dr. Alan Friedman. And so I accepted the job and I've been with him for 17 years in neurosurgery. So. I definitely benefited from the residency in choosing a career uh, instead of moving from one job to another job, trying to figure out what I want. And it has its own rewards, you know, staying in a career or staying in one particular field for a long time has its own rewards. And you can see, as you alluded to, you know, those awards and the the recognition is all, I think, is because from my surgical residency and uh, me getting into a career rather than, you know, job hopping. Which is amazing because we all know as a clinician, we are so good and trained as just doing our job and serving our patients, thinking about team base. And now you start have pivoted into this leadership and also giving back to school where they trained you right back into Duke and being recognized as someone who have the ability to teach. I think all of us are that way. And some of us don't even have to become a professor. Now I'm also hosting my surgical students and knowing our test is not just cardiac surgery. So I have them rotate out with plastic, ortho, neural as well, right? Uh, Fundus things, general surgery. So they can get a sense of everything. Now we can all give back in some way. So definitely from everyone who's listening, how are you bringing new novelties, excitement back into this profession who has served you is also the way of you can potentially teach or just be a preceptor, right? Yes, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, giving back to the profession is very important, and this profession has rewarded it so much. And definitely, I one of the ways I give back, and I take students that are applying to PA school, I give them you know volunteering hours or shadowing hours. It was a blessing teaching at the Duke PA program. That's definitely a way to give back to the community and the profession and train the future generation, and uh, actually precepting students too. So I take a lot of joy and pride. Uh, it's very humbling and rewarding as well when I teach the Duke PA students and the Duke PA program. And even when I um, take potential PA students who are looking for, you know, contact hours and shadowing hours, because I shadowed a very good PA when before I applied to PA school. And she was one of the key reasons why I believe in this profession, that it is good fit for me. So, yes, definitely giving back to the profession, teaching, all that, even without a title of the professor, it doesn't matter in what capacity you do, but every little bit counts. Yes. Sometimes it's even hard to figure out beyond clinical medicine, what is there for us? Are are Mm -hmm. we just a practitioner? Are we just because we know these medical terms and knowing really good about diagnosing, figuring out different problems? Is that who we are as uh, someone we can identify with? But beyond medicine, it's just a part of our job. It shouldn't be all of our identity. So also, I love it that you branch out not only from a teacher, a leader within an organization, you really think about bigger scale and thought about writing that book. So I want you to really talk a little bit about at what point do you feel like, hey, 
it's a good time for me to put my story into a book and share my goodies with other people. Well, you know, when you when you start working as a new PA just after graduating from the residency, you have something to prove, right? PA profession is not a subservient profession. You know, there's not there's not an apostrophe S at the end of physician. It's physician assistant, right? So your partners in healthcare with the surgeon. And I was lucky and fortunate enough to work at Duke Hospital where my surgeon and my department of neurosurgery, Dr. Alan Friedman in the Department of Neurosurgery, treated me as a partner in taking care of patients. And you put in long hours, you know, we are not shift workers. Healthcare workers cannot be shift workers, even though, you know, you have stipulated time. I used to spend long hours in the hospital. Being an academic institution, you bond with the residents, you know, the junior residents, you take them under their wing, you show them the ropes, and then the senior residents consult you because I've been there for so long. I know the surgeon's preferences, what they like, what they don't like, what they would do in a particular instance. Um, so they always come and like check with me to see what, you know, it's, it's a very collaborative experience. And after doing that for a while, then I was asked to be the program director for the PA surgical residency, the same residency I graduated. So that was a great honor and a privilege to do. And I take pride and um, I commit myself to make the program better. But after all this, you know, you, you work and talk, you wanted some kind of outlet. You know, you cannot just live in the hospital forever. And I have a lot of interesting stories coming from India, just from language barrier, right? So I used to tell these stories to the residents when we were rounding and stuff like that. And one of the residents thought it was very funny. His name is Dr. Smiley. He doesn't laugh. That's why they call him Dr. Smiley. But he used to laugh at my stories, the humiliating stories that happened to me. So he took me one day to a comedy club, said, let's go out to eat and go to a comedy club. So it was Raleigh and Charlie Goodnights was a comedy club. And we went there. It was an amateur night. And they said there are 13 people are auditioning and they were reading out the names. And one of the names sounded very familiar. The guy didn't pronounce it properly, but it sounded very familiar because it was my name. Because Jeff, Dr. Jeffrey Ninabar, he was the resident. He had put my name in the hat. And when they called my name, they said, you come in, you know, do a three minute skit. And I was like, I'm not prepared. I don't know what to do. I'm very shy and I've never done anything wild in my life. But what the heck? Let me give it a shot. He said, just tell the jokes you've told me. So I went and did. And out of the 13 people, they picked three and I was one of them. So I did three weeks in a row. They called me back and I did a stand-up comedy routine, just personal stories. And then, you know, I didn't have time to go there. From Durham to Raleigh, it's an hour. And Wednesday night was a conference night and I just couldn't make it. So then I started writing these down instead of going to the comedy club. And eventually I got a, a good amount. And then I said, what do I do with this? And then it was, oh, let me write a novel, you know. And people ask me, is this a true story? Is it a fiction? And my answer was, I have no earthly idea. It is for you to figure out, but it's definitely not science fiction. It's, I'm not talking about aliens. I'm not talking about, you know, anything mythical. It is something that can happen day to day life, but it's up to the reader to figure out, is this a true story or is it all fiction? So, and the title stuck. I have no earthly idea, stuck with that. <laughs> I love the journey. Yeah. I mean, come on, you know, like a lot of us in healthcare, actually, I looked up Asians in healthcare is about 17%. So oh, wow. some of us actually didn't come, did that wasn't born from this country, right? If you're even looking at nurses, doctors, MPAs, MPs, 
many of us are from another country. So that sense of feeling of you don't know the language, I was there. I, I got here when I was 12 and I remember broken English selling pots and pans <laughs> on the weekends and flea market when I was little just wow. because my mom at a time got into a car accident. Guess what? Trying to do something, right? <laughs> and no matter where our journey is, we all have a learning process, but it's awesome for you to be like, hey, someone throw me into the fire, but I'm just gonna go for it, right? Yeah. It took me five years to write the book. And I, you know, I usually average about 16, 17 hours a day, but I work only four days a week, Monday through Thursday. I prefer it that way because then I know I have my weekends off, even though the hours are long during the days. And I used to write here and there. It took me about five years to write the book. But that was the hard part, editing afterwards. It took me another year and it was so painful because initially the book was about, came up to like 650 pages. And I said, no, nobody's going to read this. So I had to cut off a lot of stuff and which part do I cut? Oh, I really like this, but it doesn't flow with the story. So I eventually took another year to edit it and decrease the size of the book and then got it published. That's amazing. <laughs> Something I definitely wanted to address is that writing itself is tough. Now, I never thought I'm going to be an author. And then that, uh, my book with the other 16 Asian women is going to come out. And then I'm one of the only person who's still practicing clinically. Wow. And another person is a physical therapist, but she actually concentrates on money mindset. Because a lot of time, guess what? Healthcare professionals, you're bad at asking for your value, right? We go into even switching to a job where your first job, you don't even ask for the salary you deserve. You're just hoping, oh, maybe this is how it's supposed to get paid. Or even for those of us have opened up our private practice, how are you actually hire and pay your staff that you also need to know your value, right? Yeah. And setting up those core or the additional practice services and that not doesn't go through insurance, you still have to value yourself at a high level. So when you think about all this, everyone, doesn't matter what subspecialty or even career you pick, we all can level ourselves up if we just be more sure about who we are. So it's awesome that you have composited many different stories together. And yes, it is hard when you're editing because now you feel like, it's my baby. I put on so much sweat. I'm writing this. How am I going to cut? And what do I make sure I sound like interesting enough that someone else wants to read, but the mindset should have been, hey, I am so proud that I even made this. You know, I even just one or two people love it. At least it's out there and someone is enjoying this. And if someone enjoy it, they're going to tell more people. So yeah. at the end of the day, all of us, even in medicine or not, if we truly wanted to enjoy our work, it's not about the day by day, the grinding, the achievement. I have to do all the more research project, publication, XYZ for me to level up. We have to level up from just day by day. Like if yeah. you're leveling up because you're happy now, that means so much more than chasing to get to a certain place, another degree, another certification, another PhD, MBA before you get to somewhere, before you'll be feeling fulfilled. So I'm so excited for all the stuff that you've been doing. So yeah. what's next? Well, just piggyback on what you just said. One of the reasons I wrote the book was, you know, there are lots of movies and shows and plays about doctors in healthcare, right? Doctors and nurses, every TV show you take, it's there. 
but there's not a protagonist where the protagonist, there's not a play or a book or a movie where the protagonist is a physician assistant. My book, the protagonist is a physician assistant. So it's one way to highlight the profession in a fun way. And the other thing you talked about confidence and, you know, knowing our worth. To me, I, right after PA school and I graduated, I had a job interview for a neurosurgical position as a PA at Harper Hospital in Detroit. I went for the interview and the interview was pretty much the surgeon telling me, this is your job description. This is what I expect you to do. This is your pay. And me sitting on the other side and listening, yes, sir, okay. And I knew the pay wasn't as much as I thought it was going to be. I mean, having worked as a professional for the last, you know, 13 years as a PT, I thought that should add into my, you know, experience, but they didn't count that. But I was afraid to ask, like, I need more money or, you know, I need more benefits. But doing the residency, at the end of the residency, after one year, I was sitting with Dr. Alan Friedman, and I was able to tell you, sir, this is what I can do for you. This is what I can you know, offer. So it boosted my confidence level. And for any P new PA graduating, if they're not sure of themselves, if they're not knowing which field to go into, I would strongly suggest a postgraduate residency for them. It doesn't have to be surgery. There are postgraduate residency in internal medicine, in psychiatry, in pediatrics, in ER, in different surgical specialties. So if you're not sure of what you want to do, I would suggest you do a broader postgrad residency. And I think it's good for the profession too. You have seen, you know, all the allied health professionals are becoming into doctorate degrees. You know, nurse practitioners have become a doctorate degree. Physical therapists have become a doctorate degree. And we went from bachelor's to a master's degree. But how do we further our profession, right? Do we do another doctorate degree? I've seen the syllabus of the nurse practitioners, you know, it doesn't add clinically. They do a lot of administrative work, they write papers, and it's very good and fine. But if you're interested clinically, then have, and we follow the medical model, right? Nursings are taught in, the NPs are taught in nursing model, and physician assistants are taught in, in, the, in the MD model, the clinical model. So if we're going to further a profession, I strongly would suggest instead of going the doctorate degree, we pursue postgraduate residency, and it should become the norm where we, A, gain more respect that way, and two, we actually offer something clinically. That's my two cents about, you know, furthering a career. Yeah, there are definitely many different uh, surgical residency. Now, if you want to do CT surgery, I didn't do a residency. I jumped right in. And for the past seven years, I'm in cardiovascular thoracic transplant and never left. But <laughs> also I'm one of those people who got multiple jobs before I even graduated. And I also interview a residency program, but I knew already what I want to do. So that's the difference. If you didn't know and you wanted to feel better about your yes. clinical skill, it is great to go through ER, surgical. And we also have these subspecialty, even CT surgery we have mm -hmm. in Houston, we have in Methodist and you have in Yale and all these different surgical residency, or you don't want to do surgery, you also have uh, emergency medicine, acute care, right? Acute care, that means mm -hmm. you get to have some trauma background as well. So if you're not sure, if you're sure, then go for it. Yes, I was definitely. sure of what I yes. wanted to do. So I went for it. And then I also specifically in school tailor my rotation to what I wanted to build my future is. So that being said, for all of us who are already practitioners, if you wanted to pivot, 
And if you wanted to say, hey, clinical medicine might not be the route anymore. I might want to try consultant. I might want to become a rep for a device company, or I might just want to have my own business. Those are great options. Talk to someone who already doing these things in those business. And so they can give you a leeway on what that really look like because your lifestyle matters. When you choose the next thing, it should match on how you want to live, who you want to impact, no longer just doing a job, feeling that will give you some kind of a more balance in life. So definitely for anybody, think more about the living way first, not just the doing, doing and grinding day by day. You're absolutely right. That's great advice for anybody, not just, you know, new PAs coming out, but even seasoned PAs, what you said absolutely applies. That's awesome. That's a good realization to have. So it's amazing that for you to be here, I know for my show, all my speakers are experts, but it's hard for us to be experts in all areas of our life. And that's okay because that makes us human, that makes us unique. So I have all my speakers take that quick holistic life assessment to find out what's your number one killer preventing you having that perfect harmony in life. So okay, when you took it, How did you feel and anything you would change? Anything surprising to you? When I took it, I just had a little anxiety. It was a good anxiety because I wanted to see what is this going to show? Because I've never sat down and took stock of my life. I've been pretty content with what I've done uh, or what I'm doing. I'm happy in my my job. I would say career. I've never called myself. It's a job. I am happy in my career. I'm happy with the surgeon I work with, the department I work with, and the colleagues I have, amazing people. I have a brother and sister, brothers in Houston. I have a sister in Virginia. I visit often. I have a very good relationship with my nephew and nieces. So both personally and professionally, I'm still single, by the way, but just more because of my, my work and I never thought about a personal life. So every way I was content. But when it actually came to a quiz and you take this and you're trying to figure out what is Sabrina going to tell me at the end of this quiz about my life? So there was a little bit of anxiety but I also wanted to know what the result was. It's like horoscope, right? I don't believe in horoscope unless it matches what you're doing. You know, if it tells me something good, oh, that's right. But if something that's negative or bad, it's, oh, I don't believe this, right? So I was, I wanted to see what, what it shows, but I was pleasantly surprised that I am where I should be and I'm doing the things that make me happy. My work is not my entire life and I'm, I have a nice work-life balance. So I was pretty pleasantly surprised. It was very validating. (laughs) That's awesome. The way that we be able to heighten and sustain our performance, that's my whole ammo, right? It's not that we don't know how to work hard or we have so much struggle with our anxiety and balance, but it's about how do we set boundaries, sustain and heighten performance in all aspects of our life. Now, you also mentioned, you know, there's so many things that's great about you. And now you start reflecting. Oh, Maybe I want to have someone else in my life because I recognize how much I already achieved in my personal mission, in my career, in my finance, in my uh, social life. Now, there's something else. Now, the question for all of us when we think about those different categories is why have you not paid attention to it? What can you do differently so you can marry and elevate everything, right? So that's why 
us, even for all my clients and for everybody who I speak to, even my family and friends, reflect more is that we always think in medicine, reflecting on other people's problems, other people's desires. We never really spend enough time on what the heck do you want? Right. And then if we don't even know what we want, how can we have enough aim to create all this brilliant path and outcome for yourself and those around you? So it's amazing that I thank you for being vulnerable and to be able to share and talk to us about it. And for anybody else who wanted to do that mini assessment, you can go to sabrinarumbach.com forward slash assessment. Just my full name, sabrinarumbach.com forward slash assessment. And before we wrap up, I want for you to share with everyone who wanted to connect with you, whether it's talking about a residency or talking about Duke program, learning about like you, how do you advance into leadership or even go find your book, right? Read about those funny stories. So how can people contact you and how can they find your book? My book is available on Amazon. It's available in all three formats. It's on paperback, it's on, as an ebook and Kindle, and it's also available on um, audio in Audible and iTunes. You can search for it. I have no earthly idea. But if you type in I have no earthly idea.com, it takes you straight to my Amazon page. Anybody wants to connect with me professionally, I have a LinkedIn page under my name, Senthil Radhakrishnan. You can email me. It's senthil.radhakrishnan at duke.edu. I'll be more than happy to entertain any questions professionally, any advice or anything that can be useful or helpful. My website is currently down. I'm working on it. It's skradhakrishnan.com. There was a little bug that they're trying to fix it. But that's my author name, skradhakrishnan. I wrote it under a pen name, skradhakrishnan.com. So there's a website that should be coming up soon. I have a Facebook page. I'm on Twitter. My Twitter handle is skrad007. And I'm on Instagram as well. It's S-K-R-A-D-007. It's 007. But yeah, so I'll be happy to entertain any questions you have. I'll be happy to share any thoughts. If you have any questions about the surgical residency, I can. But talking about the quiz, at the end of the quiz, I realized one thing that was more, um, which I took stock was, yes, I've had some awards in the hospital. I've had some promotions. But the most valuable accomplishment or compliment that I ever received to this day is what my physician, um, my supervising surgeon, Dr. Alan Freeman told me. He said, um, Santal, residents come and go, but you are family. To me, that's the highest compliment for a physician assistant, you know, when you're collaborating and working with somebody so uh, smart and brilliant and world-renowned in the country and in the world in, the, in neurosurgery, for him to say, that he considered me as family was the biggest compliment and accomplishment in my professional career, I would say. That's amazing. And I think that's the key for all of us to think about when you wanted to look for your next career, do not look for the job description, what you do. What you want is to find your dream boss. I talk about this a lot on how to find your dream boss because that's the person, like Sintel said, it's become a family. You spend so much time together and you want it to be filled just ease, support, no matter what. And I think that's the differences between people calling a job or a career and something that you naturally just drawn to and not to feel like, 
wow, I'm just waking up and repeat the same thing. Yeah, another day. But you're going in with joy, with excitement, with the passion back from even when the first day when you got into PA school. Remember those acceptance letters that we got, right? How excited you were. And then after all the training, after we're drinking from the fire hydrant, <laughs> with the knowledge and the beating down of all the tests, then sometimes we forgot that, right? But if we have the right people, in our corner who's supporting us when there's a bad day and you know how to pivot that out because you have someone who's supporting you and who's gonna help you leveraging you coach you and push you going forward that's so important so for anybody who joining us listening to today's podcast thank you so much you can find more podcast episodes go to sabrinarombach.com forward slash apple dash podcast our show the powerful passionate healthcare professionals can be found in all major platform and we would love to hear from you and leave us a review on itunes or just reach out to any of us who can give you some more awesome contents as we go forward as a powerful professional not just practitioners but just being awesome human being, right? And that's why we're here to have this great conversation. And thanks, Denso, again for joining us. And thanks everyone for being here on a Thursday. Until next week. Bye, guys. My pleasure. Thanks, Sabrina. All right, my friend. How did you love this episode? Make sure to subscribe to our show so you can continue to build your positive intelligence for that beautiful mind of yours to live powerfully and passionate. I know this just the tip of the iceberg. You probably have a lot more question on actually how do I implement those things into my own life? Well, this is the solution. Joining us inside the private Facebook group go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash powerful passionate where I go live weekly to answer any questions that you have and continue to put more resources for you to help you to get to that point. You can be both powerful and passionate where you're no longer working on any mundane work and truly focusing on the things that matter. You can be both powerful and passionate where you can overcome any mental roadblocks keeping you from success. You can be both powerful and passionate where you feel energized from the moment you woke up to the time you go to bed. Join me and together we can create a life where you can be both powerful and passionate.